Oh, yeah, I love pizza homework. One, two, three, go! So, welcome everyone. I see the little live thing on the corner over there. We are on episode 101, we believe. No, 102. 102 of the Insert Credit Podcast. Uh, Was there a 101? Did that not exist? There's a 101 recorded. So, if I'm, like, really bad like Vito was, then I won't get on the air. It'll be started (laughs) at 103. That's right. Vito wasn't exactly the host. Yeah, he was just another. He was a fourth. The chair. idea was that there would be four of us, and we would talk about stuff. Kind no, of did like he I'm exactly have the fourth guy, and Tim is actually the host of the whole program, just like it's always been. Oh no! Boom! Yeah, that's basically you've just uh, spoiled it for everyone. The worst way. Okay, well, I am Joel, and like 15 years ago, I made a uh, Neo Geo Pocket website, which is still my only claim to fame in the uh, video game scene <laughs> here. So. In all of the um, self-filating that will go on in this episode, I can just get that right out of the way right there. Yeah. So you, wait, you actually made this website? He made it. In, wow. Uh, in uh, WordPad, I think. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What, 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 what is the name of the board software? I forget. The, it was oh, like I think a, it's... It was a, well, it used to be the Inside the Web, which was like that free yeah. register for an account. Yeah. And then it got upgraded to some Perl script, which is like... Still running to this oh, day, thanks to uh, I think it's guy past in, my time. Yeah. <laughs> so, since you guys are actually active in the video game scene, some of you may have gone <laughs> to E3, is that correct? Yeah, we went to E3. Okay, yep. so let's so just get this out of the way right off the bat. There's a lot of lingering questions from E3, the most important being, what was the best meal that you had in L.A. that week? Oh... oh. Oh, God. Wow, that was a long time ago, though. It was a long time ago. I think that possibly the best meal that I had might have been at Masa of Echo Park. I had that uh, that deep dish pizza, and I think it was pretty yeah. good one. Um, yeah. We had two different ones, and they were pretty good. So I'm, I'm going to have to say... likes that pizza. No, is that like vegan cheese? Uh, no, vegan. no. First of the, all, first of all, first of all, nobody what? here is a vegan, for God's sake. <laughs> like, seriously. Like, I'm not a vegan. Brandon's not a vegan. I'm actually, like, extremely sick of people being like, oh, so you're a vegan. Like, what do you eat? It's like, I'm not a vegan. I have never, ever in my life been a vegan. Like, ever. Except, like, when I'm at a vegan restaurant where everyone <laughs> is technically a vegan. Why not eat there sometimes? Uh, but no, like seriously, like it's not oh, a this, vegan yeah. restaurant. Okay, and I'm this, tired this of, reminds like, me. This reminds me. I do have the fish here, which is like the ban hammer, so that when we get to these topics and they're going too long, we just raise the fish and we move on. But anyway, go on, Tim. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Go on with the fish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like okay, so yeah, like I'm also tired of like I, I was a. Uh, I was in Japan last week, you know. Oh, but uh, but uh, yeah, and it's like we got there so, so quick. Everybody knows what a vegan is in Japan now, so everyone's like, "Oh, so you're a vegan?" And what I'm like, "No, do? I just don't eat meat." They're like, "Oh, but you, but you eat fish?" I'm like, "No." Oh, so you're a vegan? It's like, "No, I'm a vegetarian. Uh, I just I don't eat meat." And they're like, "Oh, but you eat chicken?" And I'm like, "No." Oh, so you're a vegan? Uh, do you eat eggs? Yeah. Oh, so you're not a vegan? It's like what? 
<laughs> so, so you know yeah, that, Masa... that's, from what you've said before about uh, the, the the Japanese view of vegetarians, that does seem like positive progress. To yeah, me. It, it they is, have it is uh, they have positively progressed. Uh, but yeah, yeah, Brandon loves that pizza at Masa of Echo Park, and yeah, uh, I like it's it. pretty. It's it's pretty all right. It's pretty good. It's good. I don't know, man. It's not as good as. Uh, Chicago pizza in Chicago that I've had. <laughs> and Brandon, every single time we go there, Brandon's like, you know, I've never had Chicago pizza in Chicago. I wonder if it's any good. And yeah. it's like, it's like, yeah, it's real good. But I know off the top of my god darn head that if Brandon ever ate it, he would say he likes masa better because he had it first. No, I, th- I just I've, know that. I've actually, I've actually said that to you myself that I, exactly. I, I suspect that you, s- I will probably you- not like it as much because I have I have tailored my taste toward liking this in instead of liking no deep dish pizza. Yeah, so. you you have you you suspect it, you suspect it, which means that it's obviously going to happen. If you ever have Chicago style pizza in Chicago, it's it's like a complete certainty at this point that you're just not <laughs> going to like it as much as Masa of Echo Park. So I may as well Los just Angeles. not do it. You might as well not do it. Just I've save been the at, money. Like, Frank, how was your in lunch the, today? In the event you go to Chicago, I'm going to give you five pizzas to eat for homework, and you can maybe get two of them out of the way while you're there. But uh, you're just not going to like any of them. You know, I, so. I like Tim's pizza homework. It did me real well in uh, in New York, actually. So oh I, yeah, I, I love pizza Tim's homework. Pizza homework. Uh, but do you, do you are you actually asking about my lunch today, or do you want to know my best meal in e- at E3? Because I actually thought of one. Well, whichever one is better. better. Whichever one. Okay, better. The, the better one was at E3. Uh, yeah, okay, and it was good. at one of about 12 places that claims to have invented the French dip sandwich. Oh, right. Uh, this one is called Cole. Um, Coles. So, Coles? Is it just Coles? With a, with an it's Coles. Okay. Yeah. I went to Coles. Like, got... like the store, like the department store? Right. Yeah. Or or the, the coffee shop on College Avenue in Oakland. There's just so many yep. Coles, yeah. Um, or the Nat King Coles. Um, <laughs> that guy. <laughs> I, uh, Can't stand so that guy. I, I got a... Uh, yeah, I got a, a a prime rib dip and uh and I think maybe some fries. But what I like best about Coles is what they call their atomic pickles. They make their own pickles with habanero and uh I got two I orders of those. of those. So that was my best meal. They Man, there's some other in there, huh? some other real good uh real good pickles in Los Angeles at um uh that that Jewish deli that Cantor's. I'm on the name I Cantor's I I wanted you Cantor's. to bring that up. Yeah, Cantor's. Um, I love I love the pickles over there and the knishes. And the pickles used to be free, but now they come with a healthy Kanish. heaping of uh of uh guilt and looks from the waitress. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh my best E three meal was in nineteen ninety nine. It was the only E three I went to, but uh it was still really good. It was this place called Le Petit Marche and it was uh like a Japanese guy nice. in a kitchen and there was like one front person and it was across from the celebrity center in uh, North Hollywood, the Scientology center. Mm, yeah. And Oh my God, it was so good. The, uh, just like broiled salmon. I went back there a month later and it was gone. So blasted. Yeah. Tragic. Okay. So bad. moving on, you, you got owned. Speaking of salmon, yeah. we're going to move on here. Swimming up a river. That's right. Uh, this will right. take you quickly back to the Japan topic, Tim, so don't worry about this one. Oh, let's hear it. Just Thank bring it. God. Just bring it. Care. Just bring Just it. Okay, Shenmue 3. The Kickstarter oh, is done. Yeah. We oh, don't God. really give a crap about Shenmue 3. We just want to ridicule... Hey, you know what? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. 
Yeah, no, keep going, keep going. What, what's yeah. Just, you got, you, you wanna finish? We want to ridicule like, the people that have funded this or that will play this or are excited about it or in any way. Okay, so. Man, man, man. So that, that Kickstarter was live for like 45 minutes before the original voice actor of Ryo Hazuki, who we tracked down on the internet, before he gets on, uh, he's like, you know, like people are tweeting at him, are you going to be in there? Are you going to be the role of Ryo? And then it's like, that wasn't you in the trailer, was it? And then he's like, no. That wasn't me. But, uh, Sega has yet to contact me. And then, like, I sure hope they do. And it's like, that's the voice I can imagine this guy tweeting in because uh, it's just so ballless, so scrotumless. Do you think he so, has uh, the weird pauses in his typing when he's typing his tweets? Yeah. Well, I would imagine that's the cadence I think of the he tweets, does. actually. So, so he, uh, he, like, eventually they reveal it as a stretch goal, right? And it's like, yeah, stretch goal. We're going to get the original Rio Hoski in there. It's like, man. Why is that a stretch I don't want that goal? <laughs> more, well, exactly. I don't, I, I don't want that guy. It's like, more like a retch goal. Can we have a, another oh. stretch goal to get rid of him? Like, there was the, the, the Igarashi Kickstarter, uh, Bloodstained, uh, where it's like a stretch goal to get David Hader in there. It's like, could they put a further stretch goal on there to get rid of David Hader? <laughs> like, David Hader? I David hate him. You know, like the guy sucks. So this man, they got this guy. Uh, he's he's going to be in Shenmue 3, like the, the original Ryo Hazuki. Like that guy could not like act his way out of a bag made out of air. You know, like yeah. like he's so bad. And we played Shenmue 1, like we played it on a stream. And God, that game is like, it's got heart, you know, like. And that's it. I can't well, wait, remember wait, 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 okay, if... Oh, okay. But I, I, want, I want to so talk about bad. the voice acting in Shenmue. Okay, good, I... good, 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 good. Let's, let's, let's I learned something let's about, about it. it. Uh, but I can't remember if this is something that like someone told me in confidence or it's like out there. Uh, ah, who cares about confidence? <laughs> we don't care if you go to jail. This is good for I have no idea where I heard this, but the story as I remember it is that uh, – is that – uh, Yu Suzuki uh, insisted on on being present for the English voice acting sessions. I sure as well. Uh, me Suzuki. Uh, Yu Suzuki. Oh, oh yeah. why not, you? Not, yeah. you. Not, not me. Suzuki. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Different guy. Um, sure, not me Suzuki. Right. Uh, yeah. From what I understand, he insisted on being present for the sessions, but he also wouldn't travel. Uh, oh. So they had to find English voice actors in Japan. Interesting. Uh, that were also cheap, I think. There wasn't well, you know, they, they could fix that problem now because when I sure. had to voice direct a game full of uh, Japanese creative directors, uh, they just Skyped in while yeah. I directed the stuff. And then, and, and the best part of it was uh, when, you know, I would have someone do a line again because they did it wrong and they would be like, uh, can we just ask you a question? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, uh, can you tell us why you wanted to do that line again? <laughs> it's, it sounded so exciting and passionate. <laughs> like, well, it also sounded like no person talks and that's kind of the reason. Uh, so that was, oh, God. That, that gave me a little window into how those games wound up that way because, because I could just imagine those folks being like, Hmm, yes, but with more enthusiasm. And then yeah. they're, they're like, yes, come over here. Yo, like, real. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to oh, say, God, do you think yeah, you guys so... could track down the Fire Pro voice actors that did the little, like, two-second clips for the wrestler edit thing? Because they have the English ones, and they're like, die, you son of a bitch! And you know, this kind of thing. <laughs> Uncredited, yeah. of course. 
course. Oh, so. God. Shenmue's voice acting is so bad. Oh, my God. There's this part where, like, we were we were streaming it, and we were howling at it. This was the day the Kickstarter was announced. We streamed. Uh, first of all, we played Shenmue in 1080p, 60fps uh, emulated. Uh, it's beautiful. Uh, it's beautiful for the naturalistic level design based on real-life areas. Mm-hmm. But the game itself is – the story is complete trash. Like, it's just complete, like – like garbage can garbage, you know, like something you would find in a dumpster. Okay, so uh, let's if, let's if, get to the question but, then. But anyway, anyway, there's. There, I just want to say, <laughs> I just want to say this. There's this part where you walk up to a schoolgirl, and I remember it being funny when I first played it, but I was not prepared for the shrieks of laughter. Where Rio walks up to this girl, and it's like the first thing I wanted to do was, oh, there's a little schoolgirl over there. I'm going to go talk to her. I go up and I say, uh, Rio goes, excuse me. And she goes, ha! <laughs> Whoa. Tim just got muted. Tim just shouted himself out of existence. Wow. <laughs> Tim, you're, you're, you're muted because of how loud you screamed, I think, is what happened. <laughs> what the heck? I okay, got booted from his own. Oh, this is I don't need your help. Too. I don't need your help, Google Hangouts. Okay, I'll do it in a quieter voice. She goes, huh? Schoolboy! I'm gonna slap you, you pansy. She says pansy like that. Pansy. And then you talk to her again and she goes, What? And like, she just like looks at you just like this, this little girl like looking at you and screaming in like that weird sort of semi-Irish accent. You pansy. Kind of gaping mouth and I remember her. Like, I I'm remember her threatening. I'm gonna slap you, you pansy. Doesn't like she threaten to cut you too? Like, I, I'm gonna I sort of remember that. Whoa, oh, oh. <laughs> so the question remains, this Kickstarter yeah. was backed by 69,000 people who pledged Auspicious. a total yeah. of 6.3, well, they, they, this, this is the real tragedy, it was 6,333, or excuse me, $6,333,295. They couldn't have just bumped that up to like an even 6.33333 million like that. Yeah, that would have been. been great. That would yeah. have at least been an accomplishment. But of those 69,000 people, 67 will 69. actually receive a product of some kind. The others were just good souls, I guess. Just yeah. donating money. So the, average, the average individual paid $94 for their Whoa. copy of Shenmue 3. That's insane. Which is, which is actually not that far out of whack from Bloodstained, which seems like you know a more popular appeal kind of a product. That came out yeah. to 86 per person. Okay, but the question is: first of all, what kind of screwed up individual pays ninety six dollars? Excuse me, ninety four dollars for their Shenmue three, and there are sixty seven thousand of these people. How many more copies can this game actually sell, or is that it? So I was looking on uh, like comments on the Kickstarter and like comments on YouTube videos and stuff, and it's insane how many people are like. Oh, I donated to this. Can't wait for it. Never played the originals. Finally getting around to it. I'm like, what? You've just the, – the name of this game has just been whispered so many times that yeah. there's like 14-year-olds uh, donating their entire – their six months' worth of allowance for a game that is a sequel to a game they've never played, but they'll be able to play Shenmue 3 in like three years. Is it three years? No, it's a se- it's a sequel to a sequel that nobody played to a game that some people played. Yeah, that, uh, to a game that some <laughs> people played. That some some one point two million, according to uh, who was the chief of Sega at that time? Bernie Stolar. Batman. I wish it was Stolar. No, it was uh, the other guy. I met Bernie Stolar once. 
Did you uh, tell us about Bernie Stolar? Uh, Wait, I want to. I want to tell my Bernie Stolar story. Yeah, yeah, go Please, ahead. tell your Bernie Stolar story. Uh, I, I met Bernie Stolar at, at a classic gaming expo in Vegas. I want to say it was like 2002. It was like right after Sega. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I recognized his name. I was like, oh, you were at Sega. And 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 uh, we were talking about, you know, his, his, his dev stuff he might still have. And he was talking about all the, the alphas he kept, which is great. But uh, uh, he kept trying he was working for Malibu Comics at the time. Oh, Do you remember Malibu? <laughs> <laughs> and and he was telling me about like the six Malibu Comics movies that were coming out in the next year. Nice. And Oh I, I remember and, the Bloodshot movie. Was that him? Bloodshot? Uh, was that was Bloodshot Malibu? What is Bloodshot? I don't even remember. Malibu Snow, was like Malibu was like Prime and and Sludge. Uh, I don't oh, even so it was it was like the third tier knockoffs of like LaFeld stuff, right? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was the the, the knockoff of Image, like after Image came out. The knockoff uh, of the knockoff of Marvel. So right. Uh, anyway, so I'm still waiting for his his Malibu movies. I can't wait. Oh, I can't wait. So my Bernie yeah, Stolar story uh, is I met him in uh, 2002, I think it was, at the Classic Gaming Expo in Vegas. <laughs> and uh you know i was talking to him about uh, this was like right after sega so i was talking to him about uh mm-hmm. you know the games he'd been working on the alphas he'd kept and stuff and it was great oh, yeah. but he was working with malibu comics at the time and uh-huh. oh man i had it i had it going word for word and, and I, I lost it i'm sorry you lost it yeah, all i'm sorry frank i was gonna try to repeat your story word for word that wasn't bad yeah it wasn't bad malibu comics at the time he was talking about the six malibu comics movies that were coming out in the next year uh <laughs> that's pretty much yeah, it okay, there we go okay uh no uh, but but who bought these things um i would say as a person who has sometimes tweeted things about you suzuki with pictures of him attached with me suzuki those the yeah you suzuki oh okay uh, those <laughs> those uh, <laughs> those those people have a an aggressive save Shenmue campaign and we'll just oh, retweet certainly. anything and everything and they talk yeah. all the time. So they're they're definitely you know, at least half of those people are in there. Um, so uh, I'm not annoyed at them. I'm not annoyed at at the enthusiasm for this game. I mean, people like what they like or at least think they like, right? Cuz I don't yeah. think most of these people actually like Shenmue. Nobody um, really likes anything. I, no, I that's, that's I'm going to tell you true. what. I love Shenmue. And I don't yeah. like Shenmue at all. You know what I mean? Yeah, same, same. Well, I, I agree. Like, yeah, yeah. I love it, and it's the stupidest thing in the world. Like, but, it's but horrible. What, what irritates me the most is is this campaign's contribution to uh, what people think video games cost to make. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. it's actually really bad that that they would, it's ir- you know. It's irresponsible. Like, it's very irresponsible, and 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 it's weird that people would, you know, like people were freaking out when they found out. Wait, Sony's already contributed money to this. What? Why like, do we have it, to pay for it? I thought Adam Boyes was just bringing him on stage as a friend. I, like at E3, I didn't think E3, I didn't think say, uh, Sony had anything to do with this. This is messed up. But like. The first Shenmue cost what, like seventy million? Is that is that the estimate? It's like an unreported think, amount of money, yeah. But it's I think, it, I think it, it was originally forty-seven and seventy, depending on oh, how they break it down. Forty-seven yeah. million is the most quoted figure, and I tracked it down. Yeah. That was Sega's official statement. But as we all know, forty-seven is the liar's number. 
47 is the most That's often right. pulled out number because it's a prime. It's the magic number. It's the liar's number. It's the it, you know it's it's a bad number. So it's. But I, also, I know you're uh, into prime numbers and stuff, but is it not just like a a number that sounds bad. Like, wouldn't if you're going to lie, wouldn't you just you know say like forty? Well, I don't want to say fifty because that's too that's too round. Exactly. So forty forty seven actually. This is in all seriousness comes out a lot as a fake number. It's a very mm-hmm. often fudgy number. So there's that. But well, anyway, uh, also, point being that he he barely could make a game for forty million back then when he was like at a studio, uh, at a at a, at a a well, like a studio with a ton of employees who ship games all the time, uh-huh. right? So, like, I, do we trust? I, and I love you, Suzuki. I, I really wait. Admire my name's not. Work. My a, name's not Suzuki. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I really admire <laughs> Suzuki, Suzuki. I love you. Um, but do we actually think that that you, Suzuki, who hasn't shipped a game at uh, what since Shenmue two? Like, no, he we, has, but very okay. tiny ones. But Frank, yeah. I, I have to ask you a question. Haven't yeah. you heard of Unity? It oh. makes all game development very easy now. No, but I, he's, I doing, actually, he's doing it in Unreal, though. But I actually, to your oh, point... I, I recently... Um, I, w- I was reading a comment where... Because I was reading a bunch of stuff about PlayStation Mobile shutting down for obvious reasons. and um, And this one guy was like, classic Sony. They had the Vita going great. Because they had PlayStation Mobile with Unity inside it, which meant developers could make games. But now they've ruined it all. <laughs> I just love the idea that you, this guy envisioned Unity as a thing that was inside of a Vita yeah. that made things easy for developers to make video games. Yeah, yeah. Is, that it, not, it, is that not true? <laughs> no, it is true. It is true. Okay. Okay. But I just, I just sure. you know, it, it bothered me that he figured it out. That's all. Well, how yeah. stupid was Square for not making Final Fantasy VII a Kickstarter? Yeah, uh, they would never. They, could, they would. They would. They have too much pride. They do yeah, have too the, much the hubris. P-ride. But how well, much and also, would they have like, made? hang on, like, like, is that stupid? I don't think that's stupid. I think it's really risky, even if you're a big company, to go on Kickstarter because you've now gone from like a handful of investors to thousands of investors, and you have to deal with that. And and I don't. I don't think it's a magic bullet. Uh, for a company yeah, that like actually that. that actually reminds me that I was the thing I was going to say earlier about these these people that are backing it. They're all people that have already personal investment in yeah. Shenmue for some reason right. and want to have more. They want to be like, yes, I did make this happen. Uh, I think well, that's it, a big thing about Kickstarter in general. It's kind of the ultimate "I made it happen" sort of video game. Now that I think about yeah. it. Yeah. It's the ultimate yay. It was interesting that w- before it hit the goal of 2 million, which I, who knows what that 2 million was supposed to cover, but it was interesting yeah, that seriously. the highest tiered uh, rewards, like the, you know, dinner and a drive in Yu Suzuki's Lamborghini or whatever. Excuse, Ferrari, excuse Ferrari, me. it's a Ferrari. Um, Haven't you ever played Outrun? It's a Ferrari. For God's yes, I've played that game. <laughs> seriously. No, I was thinking of F355 Challenge, but. Um, which is a Ferrari. Yes. Yes. That is a Ferrari. Those yeah. those rewards wow. went like immediately, like ten thousand dollars. There were numerous ones, and they were gone yeah. before it even hit the. Well, that's goal. what I'm saying. Uh, taste so these makers. people are clearly bad people. So we just a small them. cluster of taste makers loved Shenmue, and it was they who whispered uh, unto the wind the name Shenmue, which got a whole mm-hmm. bunch of people, which got all these fourteen year olds going, oh, oh, I backed it. I'm excited. Do you know which startup in San Francisco they work at specifically so we could go interview them or something? Probably all. No, it's probably, I mean, 
I don't the munchery. A small cluster. It's probably it's probably people like Mark Cerny or something. You know, like it's it, like it's Cerny probably like friends of Suzuki. Maybe I could imagine uh, Junk Boy doing it. Yeah. Um, from Mojang, that dude loves uh, loves Ferraris and old video games. I I could see Notch doing it for sure. Oh, of course. I yeah. like Ferraris. Yeah, what so, does it matter to Notch? Notch has a candy room. He doesn't care about it. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so he wouldn't have to pay. According to Peter Moore, this thing sold 1.2, the original Shenmue, that is. It sold 1.2 million copies worldwide, yeah, which nothing. I find okay. difficult to believe. Yeah. But, I mean, obviously, 67,000 is a fraction of that. But can yeah. it actually sell any additional copies on release? I mean, and by the way, Are we talking about Steam sales? Because then yeah. maybe. Steam sale for like, yeah, for it'll like sell twenty five cents. Yeah, and but the the final question on this topic is: this game is supposed to come out. Bloodstain is supposed to come out in March in two thousand seventeen. Yeah, Shenmue uh-huh. three December. So we're looking at two thousand eighteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, will Sony be in business by two thousand eighteen? Will you be playing video games or will you be scraping together? Uh, Oh, I don't know. Rocks. Gutter water to survive. Uh, yeah. There will be some games. There will be a couple. Will there? I think. I don't know. <laughs> okay. There's going to be. I mean, I might. Is anybody going to play it? I think Shenmue 3 is like a perfect opportunity for the. Yeah, I backed this on Kickstarter. Like, there are so many games, Kickstarter games, that when they come out, people are like, oh, I backed that. Uh, I remember backing this. Uh, I got it now. How many people actually play, like, any of those games? Like, a game gets kickstarted yeah. if it looks cool, right? And then yeah. people, yeah. they they kickstart it, and then it's like finishing the game is just a formality at that point. There are so many games on Kickstarter that look so cool that I can imagine when they come out, like, them just, what is it even going to play like? Who cares? You pay money just to have a good time looking at this video. It's like, like if, you, if you back something on Kickstarter for like $100, $200, $300, do you go back to the Kickstarter page and like jerk off while watching the pitch video like over the course <laughs> of the next year or so? Is that, I think that's actually what it's for. You know? Actually, there is one. There is one I actually do want to play. What is it? <laughs> there is one, one that I do jerk off to. There, there is. That's <laughs> what I thought you were going to say. Let's hear it. What is it? <laughs> Spooky Poos. Uh, what is it? Yeah. Happy Hell. Happy Hell. Oh, yeah. Happy Heck. Unfortunately. Yeah. Happy Heck, excuse me. I hate to say that I've actually seen like what the guy's up to lately working on it. Looks like he's got a hell of a task ahead of him. I don't yeah. think this is going to turn out at all. I've played that game. No, but I, I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm excited to play whatever it that guy comes up with. I just want to say, uh, that guy, uh, he watches all my streams when I play Assassin's Creed. So Ooh. he's my buddy. Uh, just want to give a shout out to Spooky Poo. It's like the kickstarted, kickstarting the kickstarters. Wow. Yeah, yeah, so I didn't even kickstart your game, buddy. <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, showed him. Keep hanging out in my streams. But to answer your question, I played half of a game that I kickstarted. Which one was but- that? Well, it was the one where only half was available. <laughs> was that was that Broken Age? Yeah, more like uh, broken, broken game. I actually liked the first half, and then like the full thing came out, and I was like, "Oh, I should start over," so that I'm all caught up Did again. Did you not play the second really... half? No, I was I was I got bored about an hour into trying to start over. Oh, so I just, yeah. I'll never play it. I played probably. one. I played one game uh, that I kickstarted. It's called The Unbreakable Chain, and I played it because I knew it was five minutes long. Nice. Mm. And it That's sure was. The greatest and it game was right there. It I, was really, really weird. 
I kick-started Jason Rohrer's Diamond Trust of London, but only because the game was done and I was paying yeah. for the game, not kick-starting its development. Isn't isn't that kind of like Super Hot? What do you mean? No, Super Hot was not done. Super Hot had yeah. like they had the it had a good prototype that you yeah, really good yeah. proof of concept concept, but they weren't done, and they're still working on it. It's still not yeah, it's done. Still not okay, out. Okay, I guess I guess given the standards, you could have fooled me. So <laughs> I'm going to segue this to a topic that Brandon, you wrote an article about, um, and me. that is it's a very tenuous uh, segue. But the only project I would conceivably kickstart would be if somebody hyped up a like a Fire Pro reunion where you got all the Fire Pro developers that are still alive and had them make a new one. But that doesn't seem too likely because about a month ago there was an interview with 4Gamer where they gathered them all together. I think it was the anniversary of uh, that Masuda guy's death. He was the head programmer of all the Fire Pro games and NES Pro Wrestling, stuff like that. And a lot of what they had to say was kind of depressing because they said, I wished I would have asked more questions and found out more about his programming approach and the way that he did things. Because apparently they don't even know anymore. Uh, yeah. So, um, similar situation with making a pseudo 3D driving game. You recently oh, wrote yeah. an article about this. Yeah. I tried reading the article, and to be honest, it completely bored me off my ass. So, what can you Blast. tell me right now? Um. Well, what I can tell you is that uh, it's it was really interesting. Just like <clears throat> I had to use a. Uh, a text scripter, which was very difficult for me to actually wrap my head around. Um, and so looking at that and then imagining that all these guys had to make a game like uh, Galaxy Force 2 by actually programming it, uh, just coding the location of everything kind of blew my mind. But uh, the main things that I kind of gleaned while doing this were... Uh, Perspective is uh, a, a really weird and interesting tool, and it can be your enemy or your friend. Like, sometimes the road will warp and stuff, and so I would have to put caves over it to hide it. Or we had some cows that were too small um, because someone made them accurately sized instead of giant sized like everything else. And so I had to hover them uh, above the grass that they were in so that they could be seen. They're actually all floating 29 pixels off the ground. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it was, it was cool, but like I had to relearn all that stuff and it would be real nice if any of that was, was available. Um, I remember when, with the first programmer, when we were trying to make the game happen, um, we couldn't figure out how to get the turns right. So <clears throat> we actually looked up the guy who coded streets, I mean, um, Road Rash 2. And, uh, oh, wow. and I remember I, this, yeah. Yeah, and I called him up, and I was like, hey, uh, what did you do? And he was like, oh, yeah, I did this thing and that thing. And there's just, like, that information is, uh, I mean, it's not necessary, but it would be nice if it were, if more of it were around. I guess that's what I had to say about that. That, that was going to be my follow-up. Is, is oh, dear, by, you know, like, keeping the scene alive? I mean, is it... Uh... Is it actually doing that? I mean, would this information be lost to history if people didn't continue making these games? Well, the, the, a lot of the reason it's lost to history is because uh, we we don't share source code as, as an industry. So you know, branded could branded could start that right. Like in yeah. a year or two, you could put out the Odeer source code and just say, "Go nuts, it's here." Yeah, we may actually. Um, the programmer he he 
he took some advice from one guy, but there was a lot of advice on the internet about how to make a pseudo 3D game that was completely wrong yeah. and that uh, just put people down the wrong track, so to speak. And uh, oh, yeah, and and that's why you see so many of these so-called pseudo 3D games that actually have a 3D track with like a filter on it because it's it's actually hard to legitimately do it and also get like camera tilt and and put a bunch of effects and things on it and keep the frame rate good and and he had to do all these things. We are eventually going to write about the code and just probably uh put it out there. But um yeah, it's a it's a it was a weird kind of period of relearning for uh the coder and then for me placing the assets i was i just couldn't imagine when people had to like actual act like yuji naka what he he had to in order to make um what was it uh space harrier run on the master system master system yeah yeah he had to just essentially since since it couldn't do that many sprites he had to make sprites of entire screens and then just sort all the situations that could possibly arise, oh my essentially. God. So yeah. like a Tiger LCD game, essentially. Yeah, it was pretty much a Tiger LCD game, but it looked great. Like, there's no way that that game could have been run on the Master System, but he found a way. And that kind of stuff is, I don't know, it's super awesome. Um, but in a way, it's it's more awesome because, because of the limitations and because people... Uh, like if everybody knew about it, I guess we probably wouldn't be as excited about it. I don't know. Uh, well, I want to come back to the topic of uh, when we do like the lightning round list of like ten best, you know, whatever bullshit. I want to come back to uh, pseudo three D driving games. But oh yeah, this yeah. next question relates to that last one um, because Frank, you're currently involved in what is lately described as uh, game preservation. Am I right about this? Mm-hmm. Sure, uh, but. That, you, that word is used so much that I started uh, saying restoration instead. Okay, that's exactly mm. what I wanted to get at. Is there such mm-hmm. a thing as game preservation, or is this like game social Darwinism? Is this yeah, just... there's... <laughs> um, yeah, of course there's such a thing as video game preservation. It's just preserving history, right? Preserving history is just uh, taking things and making them safe. and that, that's That's all preservation has to mean. So video game preservation could be you know the the I don't know here. I've got a copy of 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 Street Gangs here for the Nintendo, which is the European version of uh, of River City Ransom. Like preservation is me like having this and dumping the ROM on the internet, or like. Do they say lay barf in that or something? <laughs> I, they probably do. I'm not sure. Um, I, it's, it's a funny, me barf, I, yeah. I actually dumped this like ten plus years ago, and I just found it, and I never sent it back to the guy. Um, but yeah, yeah pres- preservation is, is such a vague term, but I mean, are you kind of asking like, well, okay, rephrase your question or ask a different one. Cause, well, what I'm asking is <laughs> what I wanted to ask eventually was what is the Mega Man collection you're working on? What makes that different than the last 10 Mega Man collections? Like what approach are you taking to make these properly restored? Is it just okay. the way they display on screen and the way they play? Or is there like some kind of fundamental workings inside that you're really dealing with so i have to, i have to kind of walk on eggshells a little bit here for for uh, well i ownership sorry. reasons yeah um but but i, I can answer that in, in some ways uh so our approach with this is uh 
you know, they're, they're, I put out this snooty press release that, that said something about the Criterion Collection of games. It's just to, you know, mostly get media attention. But really, our approach here is what were the games like at the time, and what was the artistic intent behind them? Uh, and I feel like if you look at something like Mega Man Anniversary Collection, is that what it's called? The 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 PS2 GameCube. Yeah, one? I think so. GameCube. Yeah. One, yeah. If you look at that one, or 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 uh, Complete Works, which is the PS1 versions of the games, uh, those didn't have that in mind because I don't think they were you know thought of as as games that you you present the way they were. Uh, those I think were how do we make these games. Uh, you know, run on modern hardware and be more palatable. So those are those are sort of ported from source and and cleaned up and fixed and tweaked. And you know, they do things like add easy modes and and eliminate sprite flicker and sort of put a meta game around the games, which we do a little bit of too. But uh, you know, the, but that's how they approach it. The way we approach it is like, well, no. How do we replicate the the uh, the situation of uh, the situation of the typical person we'd have in 1987. Like, what would the game look like? So, you know, we're focused on. I just, I just two days ago finally finished uh, our our freakishly uh, researched color palette based on how the human eye would perceive the colors coming through an NTSC filter on a monitor of that era. Like, you know, that like that's the kind of thing we're doing because there is no such thing as the NES color palette. But it's like, what colors were the artists? likely seeing when they made the art at the time and how do we sort of uh tweak you know digital 1080p colors uh to, to look approximately like that right or like you know the, the the we do the whole scan line aperture mask grill filter thing on it too because we kind of feel like artistic intent wasn't these razor sharp pixels it was it was that um so that's approach to that and and a lot of that is because we we feel that just sort of porting old games or emulating them or whatever and, and sort of throwing them on a collection disc is uh, is devaluing these games. And uh, I think I said that we were talking about Huffington Post before the show. Like, I think I said this in a Huffington Post interview that that I feel like if there's if there's a world where there's you know, where people will pay $60 for a collector's edition of Casablanca on Blu-ray with a bunch of tchotchkes or whatever. Like, I I feel like that world exists, if not now, then very soon for something like a Zelda or even a Mega Man. So, you know, our, our approach is to to uh, prove out the market for for uh, a premium tier of classic games and, and, and treating them as if they were, uh, you know, a, a collector's edition for... for uh, you know, for people who appreciate that this artistic medium, as opposed to, you know, the the fifty cowboy movies for ten dollars on you get on DVD at Big Lot. Love those. So, so, does, so does this mean that uh, you have not changed Mega Man into a multi-ethnic background uh, transgender person? <laughs> I, I have not changed Mega Man now. When when you say oh, video okay, game I'll have preserves, to update my 4chan thread on that. I'm sorry. When when you say video game preserves, are you talking about like a jam? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, boom, yeah. Yeah, a yeah. Compote, so we, perhaps. Yeah, so, like a so we we take the original sprites, right, and we cover them in sugar, which yeah. actually sort of naturally brings out the the juices of them, and mm-hmm. and uh, jarring them is the hardest part. Yeah, I don't, I don't have you know a professional jarrer. I kind of have to you know be really careful about sterilizing everything. With that Gotta buy a funnel. And everything. Yeah. And then put it. Anyway, in the that's, that's my pitch. Thanks, thought here, thanks but... for letting me. Uh, 
Thanks for letting me pitch, Joel. Good oh, I, that's why I'm here, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, I've completely lost my train of thought here. That's cool. I, I think what we need to do is we need to transition back to something where Tim can get involved here because he needs to get out oh, his yeah, aggression. What's yeah, what's up? And, uh, well, okay, hold on, buddy. How's it going? Okay. How's it going? <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, I would like to have the four of us wildly conjecture in a very irresponsible manner yeah. about uh, what happened at the end of 2012, beginning of 2013, as depicted by PriceCharting.com. Oh, PCDC. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you look up just about any uh, retro game, air <laughs> quote right there, you can see a huge spike in that time period. Yeah. Uh, what, yeah. what asshole on YouTube, us four excluded, because I believe we are broadcasting there right now, um, what, what individual is responsible for this, and uh, who can we blame? Okay, mm. so it, you're you're talking about an overall shift and not in like specific titles, right? Well, there's some specific titles. Like, I mean, obviously, I I took some notes. Little Samson in 2011. The the biggest contributor to this is a site called Nintendo Age. Uh, is it really? Which, yeah. Well, I, I think they started. The the uh, that that's a place that that sort uh, to me in my mind and and you're speaking to a person who has been on classic gaming in classic gaming communities since about 1998 right so like I've 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 been around and and that was the first one that I think sort of uh uh I, I mean yeah you know Neo Geo Pocket uh but th- that's the first one that I think cultivated a community of investors uh mm. the 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 and I'm, I'm not saying digital press there. Digital press, uh, in its heyday when it had an active community, was an assembler, an assembler. Well, yeah, that those weren't really investor communities, though. Those were more like, knowledge seekers. I feel like I felt. A, uh, assembler was all about like check out this super rare thing that I found, and it is the rarest. Okay, but the assembler forums were more about tracking down like development hardware and weirder stuff, yeah. right? Like 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 penis comparisons there were were about I found the rarest, weirdest thing. Whereas the you can't diff- really commoditize and, those. Yeah, and, and, and the difference between that and something on Nintendo Age is the Nintendo Age sort of made a game out of completing the set. Right, so Nintendo Age yeah. uh, encouraged people to complete the set of every Nintendo game, and yeah. and that's just when things started spiking because like, you know, humans are are kind of simple minded and they just kind of want, kind of want instructions, I think, and and as soon as people were made aware that like. If you are a classic game collector, this is what you do. You get every NES game, and these are the rarest ones. Go! Like I think that's the start of of uh, speculation collecting, and I think that and I think the timing makes sense for that. It could be. I I definitely saw that that was happening with like, uh, it it was happening with the Turbo Graphics around the same time, and I think it was because if if there was some kind of general dawning on people that uh, you can collect a thing and you should collect a thing. Turbo Graphics and, and then later Saturn are like, well, okay, in the US, this is a fixed number of releases. Yeah. Yeah. You know how many there, there are and it's not thousands, it's hundreds, it's low, lowish hundreds. So it's achievable for you to do this stupid thing. Uh, Is I that why I was... you bought a copy of Toshinden Remix recently? <laughs> no, actually, I've uh, Toshinden Remix was a super fun uh, thing for me. I bought that because 
um, just I was thinking about Toshinda and, and thinking about quads on the Saturn and how they they moved it over. But then, oh, we're then get buying that. The, well, yeah, we'll get to that. But then buying the two, uh, buying the sequel was was really something because the the sequel to Toshinden Remix, um, Toshinden URA, is like the Saturn sequel is a sequel to the Saturn game, and the PlayStation sequel is a sequel to the PlayStation game. So they look different. They have the same characters. They have similar music, but they're actually two different games based on two different things, which is completely ridiculous. But anyway, that's why I bought that because of because uh, I I don't know because I'm an idiot. But not well, not that kind of idiot, just slightly different kind. Of course. Well, it is crazy though. That game looks the URA version looks freaking incredible. Actually, I was going to bring that up when we got to the uh, low score yeah. boy video. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's amazing how when you program it from the ground up for Saturn, it actually looks decent as opposed to just horrendous. Mm-hmm. And plus that game, uh, they where whereas Toshinden Two is kind of a bland and drab looking game. Toshinden URA is like. Neon Neo Tokyo Extravaganza. Uh, it's it's pretty pretty awesome. So, I mean, this is such a passe topic because you know I could just rattle off prices. Like for example, when I moved last summer, I was packing up all my Genesis shit, and I just said like, okay, what is this worth now? Just out of curiosity. And so like Musha, which I thought was maybe a hundred bucks, it's like four or five hundred bucks. There's one that yeah. supposedly closed for seven seventy last Dang. month. Dang. I think that was probably shill bidding, but it was a little disturbing putting this into a truck and thinking, I hope it doesn't melt or like, <laughs> or I hit a deer or something, which yeah. almost happened. But, um, you're specializing in that field there. Yeah, that's, that's my, that's my area now. You know, I actually, when I was at, um, the California Extreme Arcade Expo, um, last time I went, which I guess was two years ago, there was a guy selling, uh, PC Engine and TurboGrafx games, among other things, and I saw he had a copy of um, Magical Chase for uh, the PC Engine, so the Japanese version. Um, and he uh, he was asking like two fifty for it, and I was like, "Man, I just bought a copy of this for sixty bucks." And he's like, "Oh, that's that's a good price." And I'm like, "Yeah," and and I was like, "And I bought the the original." I mean, I bought the U.S. version for six dollars, and he's like, and he like dropped what he was holding. He's like, "You have it." And I was like, yeah, I've got that. And I was like, but it's just the cart. And he's like, I'll give you $2,000 right now, and you can just send it to me later. I was like, this is really weird. I don't know, I don't know how to react it, to it. You took it, I assume, right? No, I didn't, I didn't take it because uh, I, I, I don't know. It freaked me out that that guy would even consider that that was a real thing he would do. One, and again, to my point, that's the last one everyone needs to complete the set. Right. You know, the, the prescribed yeah. list. And and that's where I think this the pricing starts. That's the Mecha Akuma card from uh, Card Fighters Clash SNK version, essentially. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> so okay, with this passe topic out of the way, what is a game? We're gonna play a little listing uh, shit here. So like, just rack your brain. What is a what is a game that basically sucks? Because that's why it's cheap. Nobody wants it. It's abundant. It's decent. You like it. But it's not going to be raking in money. What there, there's like twelve game? different things you just said. So I know what, start uh, whatever category works. What is a game that you would actually buy at a convention or off of eBay for like under ten dollars that would actually be worth owning that you would want to play? What is a game that fits that criteria? Uh, I'll just, just give did... an example for mine. Like I would say, 
Super Godzilla on the Super NES. All right. You look, well, up, I, you look up any YouTube review, it gets slammed. So you're, are this you asking horrible. a game that you actually can buy for less than $10 that you should? Yes, that, that you should. Ah, okay. Because the game that I... I was going to say the game that I just bought, um, but I don't know if it's easy to get for less than $10. I, brought, I bought Chris Kohler's loose, disc-only Japanese copy of... Uh, of Dragon Slayer because I wanted to hear the Japanese voices, but I didn't want to pay real money for it. Uh, and I've got the U.S. version. Um, but that's, that's not really the question. So, uh, well, I don't know if it's less than $10. Yeah, I'm going to have to, uh, I don't really know my prices. But, but I'm, I'm going to guess that Run Saber is less than $10. Run, da- Run Saber on the, we'll on the Super Nintendo. Um, I mean, why would it be more? Maybe it's, maybe it is. I don't. It's probably like a million dollars now. Who knows? <laughs> um, well, if we really knock this segment out of the park, it'll be before we, you know, before the week is up, we can raise the prices on all these games. But yeah, that's right. Um, but that's a see, fun I'm game. trying to use you to give me advice on what games I should buy <laughs> that will be entertaining enough to actually pay money for and pad out my collection. Ranger X. Ranger. That is not ten dollars. That is a weird ass game. Let's talk about Ranger it, X. It is. It is ten dollars, Frank. Really? No way. Well, it's, last, pretty, it's it's pretty cheap. The last three times I bought it, it was it was uh, between <laughs> seven and fifteen dollars. I it is all the times that I bought it seventy three for a loose cartridge right now. Yeah, that's the so lowest I, price. The reason I bought it so many times is to give to other people who might not have it already. And yeah. what did they okay. think of it? They all thought it was very interesting, and that they wouldn't have been able to play it when they were kids. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, pretty much everyone is like that game. Oh, I could do it. I don't know what's going on when I play that game. I can play it now. <laughs> the the six-button control scheme, or is it a three-button deal? Six you need the six sure. buttons. Yeah, you got to control. Is it playable without the six? Yeah, yeah, yeah but, but it's not, not as good. Yeah, but it's not really good at all without six buttons. It's really yeah. a shame because I've seen videos of like the level four, level five, whatever, where you've got these incredible effects. Like you shoot the side of a skyscraper and the windows all just like cascade down. Yeah, very it's nice. really cool. Okay, is that the uh, is that the Mega Drive version? Oh, X Brandon Ronza? is now holding up some yeah. cartridges. What do we got? Yeah, I've got Ranger X and X Ronza. X Ronza is the Japanese version. So there you go. But I bought this in Korea. Oh yeah, how much was it there? So- it was um, five thousand won, so less than five bucks. Yeah, that's not bad. Nah, not too bad. Are there at many all. exclusive Korean Mega Drive games? There are a few that were released. There are a few exclusive Korean Mega Drive games, and also some that were only released in, like Japan and Korea or Taiwan and Korea or something. Um, there's this game called uh, Donna, which is oh yeah. It's it's uh it's like Japan and Korea only, um, but this is this is the Korean version right here. But anyway, yeah, I I would say Ranger X. That's that's gonna be mine. Um, that's, I got a that's... simple little recommendation, which is for about five bucks you can get Balloon Kid on the Game Boy, and uh, Balloon Kid is the sequel to Balloon Fight that not that many people know about. Uh, yeah, it's 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 actually more of a you know level by level adventure with boss enemies and stuff, uh, and it's about five bucks and it's it's not great but it's a Nintendo made game so it's at least of high quality and uh, you're gonna get five bucks out of it. 
does Luna Ian know about this game? I feel like he would just have a seizure if he uh, didn't know about this and suddenly. Yeah, I think I it. think he I think he's aware of it. That's another guy from our from our Neo Geo Pocket experience. By the I way. know I just I ate tacos with him not that long ago. That's very nice. Tim, you got one? What like a game that's under ten dollars? Yeah. I'm gonna go ahead and tell everybody the truth. I went to Japan. Uh, yeah. Last yeah. I was there last week. Yeah. I was there for 11 days. Guess how many video game stores I went to? Zero. Zero. Oh maybe, no. Maybe the dream is dead because uh, I just I have not looked at video games in a very long time, uh, which yeah. is scary. Was, uh, I'm looking at metal. Like I remember somebody asked me on Ask FM a couple years ago to give them like 10 games that they could buy for under a hundred dollars each. And one oh, yeah. of them was me- was Metal Warriors for the Super Nintendo, which was at that time oh, like thirty five dollars. Uh, that was like three years ago. Now yeah. I'm seeing it loose cartridge three seventy four ninety nine. Like Jesus, wow! How did that get so expensive? It's really weird. It just like uh, I, I, I yeah I, wow I I went through and I put um all my games in a list. Because, I don't know, it's a fun Sunday activity. And I was looking at some of them and I was like, oh yeah, I've got Street Fighter 03 for the, for the Saturn. That's nice to have. And then I looked it up and it's like, oh, that's worth $300 now. And it's, it's kind of unsettling. Um, like I, I remember buying Ninja 5.0 on, yeah. on the Game Boy Advance because. At Fry's, right? For 20 bucks. Yes. At, it was the Fry's sale. And, um, and, because people were like, this is a pretty cool action game, and uh, it feels very Hudson-y. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I'll, I'm going to pick it up. So I got that. Now I got it in a box, and now it's it's like 700 bucks for that thing. Yeah. That's like, what? Why? $700 for that little dinky little game. It's a good game. I like that game. It's a good game, but like everybody just calm down. So e- eBay has just assisted me in finding a game that I would recommend for under $10. And it's for PlayStation 2. Is that fair? Are we allowed? To? That's yeah. fair. Okay. Oh, absolutely. So there's a whole lot of those. So raw, raw danger. Yeah. Zetai Zetsume Toshi Two. One of that is the the last PS2 game I bought. One of these. Oh man, is right that now. absolute? Is that best. really ten bucks? It it is nine ninety nine on. Oh, because I actually right don't now. have it. I would I recommend it buying right it. It's a buy it now for nine ninety nine. I'm I feel it. like I got it brand new for about that much, maybe fifteen on Amazon. Like you could still buy it on Amazon. Yeah, yeah it, is, do it. it is a beautiful, uh, amazing video game. It is everything. Okay, it's, it's twenty. It's $21 on Amazon. I it is everything people expect uh, something like Shenmue 3 to be, except it's real. Uh, it's done. It's been out for eight years. And uh, everyone's blonde in it, right? Oh, are they? Yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that the one where everyone's blonde? I think I think they're one in one of those that's... Zetsume Zetaitoshi games. I think that would uh, be they made. Think, what was the first one called? Disaster Report. Oh, Disaster yes. Report. Yeah, raw, that's where raw they were all danger blocked. keeps it a little real. So, Disaster Report is about an earthquake that happens in Tokyo, right? Yeah. Raw Danger, the sequel, Zetaitoshi Toshi 2, is about an earthquake that happens in Tokyo and how that causes a flood yeah. in a man made island off in the harbor of Tokyo during a party for the investors on Christmas Eve. Uh, 
And yeah. like so that level of specificity gives it this kind of incredible unparalleled depth. It is the video game of the future. Uh kind of a die hard quality almost. Yeah, it's got a die hard quality yeah. like crazy in it. And I mean there's all it, these it, characters, there's politicians, there's uh uh you know, you play through the game multiple times as multiple different characters and it's goofy as all heck. It's full of this soap opera ishness. Uh, it is a game that in ten years, everybody's going to pretend they loved it when it came out, right? Everyone's going to be like, "Yeah, a lot of people didn't play that game, but in two thousand seven, yeah, I was there. I bought it and I played it, and it was great." Like everyone's going to pretend that they loved this game in ten That'll years. Yeah. Do you think? Uh, but I did. Do you think that we'll ever see a day when the third one comes out because it's done? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, so. where is it? It's uh, really so sad. So those dudes all, uh, Kazuma Kujo and his brothers, they formed yeah. uh, Granzella Games. Which right, makes and they made a bunch of uh, PlayStation Home stuff. PlayStation Home items, yeah. So yeah. real sad about all that, but Lord, Lord, that Zetai Zetsume Toshi is, 2 is just an amazing game. And it is $10 right now. Uh, in the bizarre limited release age tech PS2 uh, English localization where everybody's name is American. Uh, and the game is hammy as heck and weird, but yeah. Lord, it's it's beautiful. It's it so does good. require some, uh, I don't know, I don't know what the word is, suspension of blank, but it's suspension of something because it, it is very much a PS2 game. It is very yeah, sure. much a PS2 game. It is a, it requires some suspension of expectation i guess i would say sure yeah so, that's, that's fair yeah uh the performance is just shriekingly bad uh yeah it the frame rate drops to like four uh yeah very very frequently the, uh, the animation is typically kind of bad and, and but yeah yeah but it's just got so much heart in the first yeah. 20 minutes is that the next field of indie game development to instead of going for the 8-bit aesthetic to go for the PS2 nothing makes a damn bit of sense aesthetic? No, that's still expensive. I I think uh damn. yeah, it's it's going to happen sooner or later. But the idea of this being a game, it's an event game. It's a it's about something that is happening, which is really really neat. And it's kind of sad that there's nothing to really compare with it. At the moment, I mean, there's no combat in the game. It's entirely yeah. about exploration, but you can die, so there's conflict. But the cool thing to remember is that, like, the same group of 13 people made Zetai Zetsume Toshi 2 that made Steambot Chronicles or Bumpy Trot, and they made them yeah. at the same time. So that's super just insane that they were able to do that. Uh, love both of those games. Steambot Chronicles, however, $60 on eBay. So uh, <clears throat> no, people haven't caught on to yeah, Raw did, Danger yet, so grab it while you can. They will now. You better list did, at least five copies right now. You might be able I to get the digital version on PS3, by the way. So mm. I think it's on there. Uh, did I ever tell you guys about when I was in um, Texas? Japan? Oh. <laughs> no. Uh, I was in Texas. Wow, why am the I opposite echoing? Of you guys Japan. No. Um, okay, good. Uh, anyway, I was in Texas and going around to uh, video game stores to see what they had, because yeah. why not? And I came upon a, what do they call it, Game Trader? It's one of those bigger chains out there. 
Play and um, trade or something. Play and trade. I think it might have been play and trade. High plains drifter. Yeah, high plains drifter and uh, Tokyo drifter. High plains edition. High plains and, Tokyo. Kanto plains. Okay. This was just like a your regular scrubbo, uh, full of um, <clears throat> sports games nobody wanted anymore kind of place. But in the PS2 section, they just had basically every PlayStation 2 American release RPG limited release that existed. Um, mm-hmm. They had all the things that were that were the most expensive, the most unusual. All the all the Atlas releases, all the Nipponichi releases, all of the Bondi releases. There was a Gundam game that w- uh, was going for sixty bucks, and I was like, "Wow, this is really expensive." And then I looked on the internet, and it was going for a hundred. Um, and so I asked the lady there, "I was like, hey, what's what's the deal with this? What did did this all come from one guy?" And she's like, "Yeah, there was this dude who came in uh, with a." <clears throat> big stack of games. He said he used to work uh, for a game company. She didn't really have many details. But uh, he said he was getting married and his wife wanted all that stuff out of the house. Blasted. Yeah. And so wow. he, he sold all of his uh, prized PS2 collection that was clearly meticulously kept. Like, it was all in fantastic shape. And he clearly had, like, a thing that he liked. Like, he liked the real pure RPGs. There wasn't a whole lot of Moe nonsense in there. Um, and uh, and I was just thinking both of those people married the wrong person. Uh, yeah. Boom. Oh, so really speaking him. of real cool games, uh, according to eBay, you can still find Breath of Fire 5 Dragon Quarter. Uh, not new, but... Uh, with a box for less than $10 on eBay. And that's a game that as soon as Capcom releases it on some downloadable deal or whatever, or or just kind of like puts it on PC just unexpectedly, as soon as that happens, millions of people will pretend that they played it a long time ago <laughs> and they will want to buy it. And that game, yeah, still 10 bucks. That's another fantastic, beautiful video game that I would recommend owning. Um, I just, I want to quickly, uh, segue back to uh, Frank's comment and then back to you, Tim. Um, there are so many, I, I, for longest time, I just assumed that everything on Game Boy was shit. Yeah. And and as I've gone back through, there are so many gems, it's unbelievable. And they're all practically worthless. Like you can even go into Goodwill a lot of times and find stuff like, uh, the Donkey Kong game for Game Boy. Just unbelievable. Yeah, Donkey Kong's great. I love Donkey Kong. Oh, I just Donkey incredible. Kong ninety four. You mean? Yeah, as we yeah, call yeah. it. Yeah, where yeah, I'm yeah. From. That's right. Yeah, and, we call um, it DK nine four. Yeah, you got the special right, edition right. in in Indiana, right? Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah the Indiana. extra donkey. <laughs> the extra came with the, a real donkey. The, the regional localized version for Indiana. Yeah, the extra donkey <laughs> edition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the extra Double donkey. You know what's even cooler? <laughs> you know what's even cooler than buying Game Boy games in Indiana? is buying them in Japan at Super oh, Potato Super because you have to get the guy with like a side cutter to go and cut them down. He has to actually like harvest them yeah. from like the trees from the rack. Yeah, they're in these little tiny plastic uh, drug bags just kind of hanging off the wall. And then they're they're zip tied to the wall. Yeah, they're just so um little drug bags up there. Yeah, and yeah, it's a problem so when you forget which one you were looking for, and then you go ask the guy, and you come back, and then you're like, I don't know, it was somewhere in here. Uh, you get like a wall of a hundred games, and you've completely forgotten which one you were looking at. 
Yep. And then you get nervous and you just rattle off about five of them that you didn't want to buy, <laughs> just so you don't upset him. And then you have a whole He's bunch of games there. that you don't want. Yeah. Which is the way it is, generally, going to Japan, as we all know, because we've all been to Japan, right? You haven't yeah. been to no, Japan. Frank. You? Joel Hamilton, you've never been to Japan, you liar. Oh. <laughs> Outed me. I had a good time Take with that down. joke. Uh, I don't know, have you so, I, I have to ask, was your, uh, which you won't tell me, of course, was your photo uh, adventure, was that some kind of like quasi-Shenmue experience? Was this to like show like, sh- the reality of We should maybe ex- the explain what that adventure was first. I'm sorry. Well, it was pictures of drinks. It was just beverages. Oh, yes. You, I, I was... you walked 100 yards and you bought a beverage, and then presumably you drank it on the spot because in Japan, as you, one of the things that Shenmue actually really did me a favor with was mm-hmm. that informed me of the fact ahead of time that there are no garbage cans anywhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah, except right next to the vending machines. So that's why you drink it right there. Yeah. So what I did was when I was in Japan, uh, uh, I'll explain how this happened. It started as a uh, me and uh, Michael Kerwin, uh, a programmer at Action Button Entertainment, every day at exactly 3 p.m. I uh, I have an alarm go off on my computer that plays a song from a commercial from 2002 from Japan, uh, Kirin Gogo no Kocha, uh, it's 3 p.m. song by Aya Matsuura, and uh, – it's this joke is very convoluted because she's wearing a giant chicken suit that has a clock on it that says 3 p.m. and uh, every day at 3 p.m. we go to 7-Eleven and we get you know we get cups of coffee or whatever you know so I said that my plane was arriving at Tokyo at 2:10 p.m. and that I, that would put me through customs and it would get me to have my rental phone by 3 p.m. and that I would take a picture of my hand holding a beverage in front of a clock at exactly 3 p.m. Which I did do. Not only that, it was the tea from the commercial. And uh, so I did that and then I just kept doing it. I just kept taking a picture of my hand holding a beverage after buying it. I gave myself 30 seconds to take a picture of the coolest thing I could. Uh, And then I ended up taking just a couple dozen photos of Japanese beverages and racking up hundreds and hundreds of Instagram likes. Uh, and it, calories. <clears throat> yeah, it reminded yeah, lots me. Of calories. It, it reminded me of how much you and the internet enjoy brands. Brands, yeah. Well, uh, it ended up being a what I think is a legitimately interesting social media experiment because, uh, like, all, it just I kept getting the same comment every time from different people, uh, and the comment was uh, along the lines of. Is that all you're doing in Japan? <laughs> drinking beverages? And it's like, no, all that all all I'm sharing about my trip to Japan is the beverages I'm drinking. And you are equating what I'm sharing with what I'm doing. That that I'm just sitting in a dark room between Instagram posts that uh I I go, All right, it's gonna be uh a Mitsuya cider in a bathroom and then I run out of the room and find the nearest Mitsuya cider machine or maybe I Google maps the nearest Asahi vending machine. I run, get a Mitsuya cider, run into the nearest bathroom and take a picture. Then I run back to the dark room. Like it's kind of it, – it ended up being really interesting that that was the comment I kept getting. And it's like – Well, what what you share is who you are now. So that's it. Exactly. What you share – is officially who you are, according to most people. And it's like, I was doing plenty of stuff 
don't worry, guys. Uh, I, I did plenty of stuff in Japan. It's just I only took pictures of beverages. Uh, and some of them I had a real good time with. I'm looking down my Instagram feed now. I got like this Sprite in front of a sunflower. Like uh, that's kind of Sprint a cool – a cool uh, juxtaposition because there's like yellow and green on the sunflower, yeah. and then there's yellow and green. Well, we on the... we did extrapolate that you uh, didn't go to any video game stores, so yeah, didn't go to any. So yeah, take a look at that one I just linked in there. How cool is that? I don't know. Oh, you didn't see the link? No, I'm a... It oh, disappeared I before I could get it. Yeah, I'm yeah. looking at it. And then oh, see yeah. the right. see the first comment. <laughs> Someone's got a drinking problem. Every single one. Somebody's <laughs> like, <laughs> "Why are you drinking so many beverages, man?" It's great. Yep. <clears throat> so and I because it's put, hot there. Is that why? Yeah, it was you put also a lot very of, hot. Uh, put a lot of thumbs ups in those yeah. beverage photos as well. Well, because I didn't want my thumb to be obscuring the drink. No, I get it. Yeah. Okay, so I quickly want to ask, what was the best brev- uh, beverage? And then we will move on to the closing stretch. We just got to quickly talk about the greatest. You thing mean the I've breast beverage? The, yeah, br- breast the breast beverage. Oh, oh man, I'm looking at some of these are pretty good. I want to write up a thing about them, but uh, the best beverage I had was uh, I was really okay. So there were two that have to be named separately because they were so good and they were so different. Um, one was the Coca Cola uh, coffee brand Georgia, the Georgia Zaytaku Namakurima no Cafe Ore, the uh, Georgia Luxurious. Whipped cream cafe au lait uh, was extremely good. It had like this smoky flavor to it. Uh, it was like kind of a mind-blowingly good coffee in a bottle. Uh, and it was just ice cold. It tasted real good. I convinced uh, Matthew Kumar to drink one, and uh, he said it made him sick because the cream was so rich. So <laughs> that's kind of cool. So mm-hmm. it's cool that it made a dude sick. But, uh, yeah, I really, really enjoyed that drink. Uh, but then the one that was like the legitimately best, there's the Zaytaku Nama Cream Cafe Ole. The one that was legitimately the most surprisingly best drink that I would drink all the time was. Mitsuya Cider. Uh, no, well, Mitsuya Cider is cool, but, uh, the Kidding Sekai no Kitchen Salty Lime Soda. Which is a a break off variant of their salt and fruit, uh, which yeah, is we, their health drink. <clears throat> we had that salt and fruit a couple of times. Yeah, me and Brandon, we we dug salt and fruit. Salt and fruit has been renamed uh, salty lychee. Uh, and then wait, no, that was a different flavor. They they had both of them, or was that just a transition? No, no, period? it was. They were transitioning from one name to another. It has now fully uh. transitioned to salty lychee. So I just right. linked the pick of salty lime soda. Salty lime soda was, uh, there's a lo- like you can really taste the salt in it. It's a lot of salt, and it's a decent amount of lime, and it's like no added sugar. Uh. Well, sugar's on there, but it's like the bottom ingredient. There's barely any sugar. <laughs> uh, it was really, really good. It's like an extremely subtle, like, adult Sprite. Uh, I think, Brandon, you would like it a lot if you're ever if you're in Japan soon. Uh, definitely, yep. definitely check it out. It's really good. I'll be there in September. Oh, baby, me too. So That sounds awesome. Let's Whatever. drink so one Japan. together. All right. Yeah. Salty lime soda. 
It's so a, I think the last thing that we have here uh, before people need to eat dinner, if they mm-hmm. do that kind of thing. Dinner sucks. Is, well, it kind of does, but there was a video uh, posted by Low Score Boy, I guess. I'm not familiar with this guy. Brandon, maybe you are. No, he's that that, that posting of that video was my first awareness of, th- of him. I think he started existing five months ago. Okay, well, this guy is awesome already because he examined the... Um, VDP 1 and 2 functions of the Sega Saturn and answered just a shitload of questions about what the rendering capabilities are. And uh, somebody want to... I guess, Brandon, you're the only one that's seen this, right? Yeah, so basically... Well, Brandon emailed actions. it to me, so I, I'll, I'll have my side of the story here. Brandon emailed this link to me uh, It's a must-watch. Maybe the although, day before. And, yeah. and I filed it away in my head uh, in the, okay, I should check back on that later because I'm busy right now category. And that's where it remains right now. Okay, okay. well, I'll, I'll tell you why you should watch it. It's, it's, this, uh, it's this dude in China who uh, was just super interested in figuring out how the Saturn did 3D and whether the, the long-held assertion that the Saturn cannot do transparency was true. And he opens up by showing you Mega Man X4, in which there are, <clears throat> like, dithered mesh uh, spotlights going back and forth. And then he's like, but wait, let's go a couple more steps over here, and we'll see a fully transparent tunnel. What's the deal? And so Which that's was where awesome, he's... because I just have to interject that I played that yeah. game for the first time. I'd had it ever since it came out. I finally decided, well, maybe it won't suck. And I saw that tunnel, and I was like, what the hell is going on here? But anyway, okay, go yeah. ahead. Yeah, so he basically explained, uh, and I can't totally do it myself, of course, but that <clears throat> um, one, of the, one of the video processors can do transparency, and one of them is for other stuff. And so um, you could do transparency, but you had to do it in a, like in a background layer, or if you had a background layer, then you could do transparency, but it would only show through to the background, and like any other sprite would be as though you had made it invisible, and you could just see through whatever like clear cloak or whatever you had on through to the background. So that's why it was mostly, you know, shadows and stuff. But it also explained a thing which is kind of blew my mind that... um 3D on the Saturn is essentially sprites with perspective. Um, and so <clears throat> one of the reasons that the Saturn wasn't so great at 3D is because it had these two processors, but only one of them was was able to really do uh, 3D processing. It had the... Because it was the sprite render. Um, anyway, this this video was super revelatory for anybody that's ever been interested in the Saturn and also explains why there's <clears throat> very rarely 3D um, 3D transparency in the game, even though it can do it. I mean, in games. Like Sonic R in the the final stage, the whole thing is transparent. This huge transparent runway that you're on top of. But um, if you were to try to put transparency over a character, you would just see through them to the background. Um, so that's why that didn't happen that way. Anyway, it was, it was great. He like had effects that he turned on and off and stuff. So you could actually see like the different components of what's being rendered 
by what with um burning rangers and stuff so yeah it was that that was insane it like it basically put to rest the discussion that was happening in schoolyards across America in 1997 <laughs> and 1998, where people are like, PlayStation's way better because it can do transparency. And then people with Saturn are like, yeah, but it can do 2D games. And people are like, who cares about that? Street Fighter, though. And then, etc. Uh, and, uh, and then you'd be like, well, all the best games are from Japan anyway. And people are like, that's stupid. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, this, this, this dude's video pretty much just explained it all, Clarissa style, uh, and and I I highly recommend that everyone watch it. Yeah, he he really laid it down, and it actually um, supported some conjecture that I had seen about why Castlevania Symphony of the Night is so bad on Saturn is because the um, prioritization of those VDPs to actually uh, the the I guess it's the VDP two that produces transparencies like legitimately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was assigned to the menus, like, you know, the interface. Yeah. For the transparent boxes. And, and that's they all needed it was that doing. one. To, they, yeah, they, exactly. That's literally all it's doing. Yeah. It's not rendering background effects. It's not doing anything else. Yeah. And so, like, the, the really clever games would take, uh, they would do transparency and then, uh, cache it in v, in virtual RAM and then send it to the other processor to execute, um, which was uh, crazy fancy. Like, if everyone had figured that out, like if Sega had figured that out at the beginning <laughs> and then had documentation, we would have seen a very different Saturn world out there. But it kind of speaks to how I always felt like Saturn games were a little extra weird and pushing some things in strange directions because people had to necessarily think super differently in order to make games for it yeah, the end it could just be me reading into it but um, it kind of adds an emotional aspect when you see that here was this system that was not really controlling the market and you saw the great lengths that people had to go to to produce these effects and it makes the game seem a little bit more like a labor of love if you actually look at it in that sense yeah, or it could be a labor of hate because maybe these were just a bunch of dudes employed by this company that was like, yeah, we're going to make a Saturn <laughs> game because it might pick up and then they're just like, jeez, how am I supposed to do this? Yeah, could get, could go either way. Well, um, let's, let's pretend it was the other way and let's close this out with uh, what are some examples of shockingly good-looking Saturn games that you would not expect? Ones that people probably haven't played. Um, Battle Arena Toshinden URA is definitely I one. Was gonna, I was going to name that one. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Frank, you don't have a lot of experience in this department, I guess. Is that Very accurate? little. Very, very little Saturn experience. I had um, Knights and... Uh, God, I don't even remember. I had I had Symphony of the Night, which I bought from Tim when he moved to Japan. Boom. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, now it's worth mega bucks. I would say I another I don't even remember what else I had. So No, I have no... Um, Amok, Amok is a surprisingly good-looking video game in a way because it's all voxel backgrounds. They didn't use, uh, they primarily did not use 3D. They used voxels for terrain, and that was pretty interesting. Um, what else have we got that's surprisingly good-looking? Oh, I would say um, Sonic R is one because they. Instead of uh, pop-in, they actually made transparent backgrounds that would fade in, and that was pretty cool. 
Um, I'm just I'm just going through my discs over here. Well, do you have a game called Ninpen Monmaru, which you can kind of extrapolate is a ninja penguin game? Yeah, I actually don't have that one. Have you seen it? No. No. Somebody go on YouTube and look at this game sometime because it's shocking. You you load it up and you think, okay, this is like a Crash Bandicoot style. We've condensed the play field down into such a small area that we can have really high fidelity graphics. Ah, I see. But it, cool. then you start moving around and it's not like that. It's like Mario 64 almost. And I would say that um, that initial D is actually surprisingly good looking on the Saturn because... Since it takes place entirely at night, <laughs> it, it like the pop-in is hidden, so it's like one of the best, fastest-looking racing games. It actually is, looks and plays much faster than the PlayStation version because for the PlayStation version, they they tried to you know like expand it a bit and have it during the day, and they were rendering way more uh, polygons than the Saturn was rendering uh, quads because they were doing it in the darkness, so that worked well. Yeah, that's yeah, the crazy that thing about this Ninpen Monmaru is that it's got like actual blue sky and it's got a really far draw distance. It's actually reminiscent more of like uh, Jumping Flash because you can go really high up in the air and you can still see maybe like 10 layers of platforms below you at some point. Oh man, that sounds great. So it's it's nuts. And then meanwhile, Virtua Racing looks surprisingly terrible. Uh, Boom. Because the... Th- the 32X and Genesis ones looked pretty great, and then the Saturn one just has these insane loading times to make the game much worse. Do you have GT24? Yeah, I got it. Did, did you ever pop that in? No, I haven't. I, I only got it very recently at a, a game world in San Jose. Oh my god. Yeah. Where is it that? Was, it was, it was just sitting there. They had a, they had a couple, um, Saturn games. That were they had Gun Griffin two and they had GT twenty four and they were they were like five bucks because oh, wow. nobody had ever asked for them before. Gun Griffin two that's another phenomenally solid kind of it it almost looks pointillistic. It's got like such a nicely uh, gradiated like pixely look to it. Yeah, yeah, those weird games on the Saturn. So everybody listening at home, just buy all those and you'll be all right. Yes, yeah. and I can see Frank and Tim are enthralled with this topic, so I think we'll uh, close it out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, All right. um, so, yeah. Cool, that cool. was episode 102. Of that the was episode Grand 102. Podcast. And. Yeah, deal with it. Yeah, will we ever be back? Who knows if I'll be back? You guys will certainly not have me back, but uh, maybe you'll be back <laughs> another time. Cool. Uh, so, uh, what, what do we usually do? Uh, we, follow us on Facebook at what? IC Podcast? Something like that? Yeah. Something like that. And then, uh, follow us on Twitter by, uh, searching our names. I'm, yeah. uh, 108 on Twitter. Uh, I have more than 10,000 followers now, so. Oh. Thank you. Uh, follow us on the Sex Offender Registry, I, and, I, uh, I, <laughs> I now need 11,000, so I need your vote to reach 11,000. Are you having a contest for that uh, eleven thousand? I got my K. <coughs> I just what <coughs> sneezing? I just yeah. sneezed a couple of huh? times. I turned my microphone. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I got my K on Twitter, so it now says ten K. So nobody knows how many followers exactly I have. Oh, nice! Unless they like oh, mouse yeah. over and hover and wait for it to show. I want up. a K. Yeah, maybe someday, kid.
Dang it. Blasted. Insert credit show. Over, yeah! Bye! Good night, everybody. Good night. Bye-bye. I'm going to turn this off. Bye. Okay, bye.